Blog Talk Radio. Sunday is a special day to set aside some time 
for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but of course, you may read any Bible you wish. I've had many spiritual experiences, and from time to time, we'll read out of my book, but we're really focusing on the Bible readings and discussion about uh, spiritual experiences, and also out of um, self-selected readings every Sunday morning. So we're just focused on being our real selves and carrying the message. Um, the call-in number is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday airs every Sunday 11 a.m. And you can tell your friends. And uh, you can also listen over the phone at 619-924-9744. Uh, we, we have an opening prayer. Let's start it now. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide. Their freedom to worship and lives are in great jeopardy, and those whose lives are taken for distorted and evil reasons, and they, poor things, have become martyrs. We feel very sorry for the, the martyrdom that's happening right now, and unfortunately today I did see that it's also happening to the animals for the same reason. We pray for all those suffering from violence abroad and here at home. We pray for those who are sick and minded body, for the lonely and the uncomforted. Forgive us, God, our sins. We pray for suffering from domestic violence in their own homes and freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your archangel, Michael, to fight against evil and protect all of us and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers go out to all those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. We pray also for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we are praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. Thank you, God. Amen. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care. Everyone and their families are in our prayers. God bless you all. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I hope everybody had a wonderful Valentine's Day. Turned out I was scared, you know, because I don't have a little special Valentine right now. But what happened was, is I did go on Facebook, expressed my kind of loneliness. And anyway, it turned out to be a whole day of fun. And I, I God bless you all for uh, your Valentine's Day and every special day. And it turned out to be fun for me because I didn't hide away by myself. And I want to wish, uh, I have a lot of birthdays here this morning. I want to wish Corrine DeWinner, uh, Barry Ballinger, Lee La Capitan, Kelly Gessner, John Arvanitas, Lisa Mack, Savannah Montel, Kristen Hayden, and Billy Ballinger. I just wish you all very happy, happy birthday. And if it's your birthday today, I wish you a very happy birthday. I wish you a happy and blessed year ahead, and uh, your special uh, dreams come true. If you have a special prayer, prayer request or positive intention, you can also may call me at 619-924-9744. 
And this morning, if you don't have a Bible, you can also get on www.biblegateway.com or www.biblia.com. So remember, last week we were reading Chapter 5, the, and we're in Romans, uh, Epistle to the Romans. And uh, we have a little summary we're going to read. And it says, even though Paul looks down on Christians bragging about their accomplishment, he does say that there's a few instances where it's good to be boastful. Basically, Christians can brag about what God has done for them and their hope that one day they'll be hanging up and hanging around with them in heaven. And it says, uh, they can also brag about their suffering because, hey, who doesn't kill you? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, Anyway, uh, right, this isn't what I like to hear is good. I almost stoned you to death for my faith story. Anyway, Christians should talk up God has done for them by sending Jesus. This is a big one. Christians should actually probably be talking about this a lot, as Paul certainly does. See, Paul says, back before Jesus, people were terrible and sinful, but God loved us so much that he wanted to help us. So he sent our Heavenly Father, Jesus, to be with us to die for our sins and then come back to life again. And he overcame death. Remember in the first Adam and the second Adam and everything that we studied last week. So I want to thank the Schmoop callers, scholars for helping me with that, www.shmoop.com. And so this week, we are going to be reading out of Romans chapter 6. So you want to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. And let's go. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be so. How shall we who who died to sin still live in it? Or do you know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so that we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he has died, has freed us from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. This is the big tenet of the Christian faith. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you may obey its lusts. And do not go on presenting the members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but to present yourself to God as those alive from the dead, and your members as instruments to the righteousness of God. For sin shall not be a master over you, and for you are not under its law, but under grace. And it says here, shall we continue to sin? What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? May it never be. Do you not know that when you present yourself to someone as slaves for obedience, that you are slaves of one with whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness? 
But thanks be to God that you, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that the form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. But just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Wow. For when you were slaves of sin, you are free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from things of which you are now ashamed? That's true. For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been free from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit resulting in sanctification and the outcome of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, that's a very... Uh, I don't even have a word for it. I'm just so awestruck by what is uh, we are reading here. And let's read the notes. Okay, let's go back to six one. If grace abounds in the presence of sin, we shouldn't we continue in that grace might increase? May it never be. And it says grace cannot be exploited for evil ends. That's it. It's impossible. Because of our union with Christ, we died to sin and relied to God. The new moral life is based on our union with Christ, our being slaves to righteousness and the new marriage union we have with Christ. Death is separation, not extinction. Physical death is a separation of the body from the spirit. Spiritual death is a separation of a person from God. The second death is eternal separation from God. To sin is separation from the ruling power of sin in one's own life. And the notes go on. Baptism with the Holy Spirit joins the believer to Christ, separating him from the old life and associating him with the new. He is no longer in Adam, but is in Christ. Water baptism portrays this truth. Now we're up to 6.6, the old self. All that a person is before salvation, which is made old by reason of the presence of the new life in Christ. Though separated from its power, its presence has not been eradicated. Therefore, we are exhorted to lay it aside the body of sin does not mean that the physical body itself is sinful, but that your body can become the instrument of sin, made ineffective or impotent. Okay. Sin has no legal right to be master over us. Therefore, sin can never legally regain its mastery over us due to, in practice, it may yield to its temptation. This means calculate. It's just consider, calculate, uh, and then acting accordingly. We must either dethrone sin or obey its evil desires. Do not go on pretending, presenting the members of your body, but present yourself to God. Tenses imply stop presenting your members, but present yourself once and all for all to God. Paul exhorts us to make our experience conform to our position and presence. A decision to dedicate the years of one's life to God. And then it's talking about 6.15 23. This passage is an ethical application. When we were in Adam, sin was master, demanding shameful living and repaying with death. In Christ, we can be slaves of righteousness. 
And Paul uses the illustration of slaves and masters because the dullness of understanding of those to whom he wrote, people just don't understand it. That's why we read every week trying to understand the Bible. We just keep reading it. When you were slaves to sin, what benefit did you have? And then 6.23 says, The free gift of God, sanctification of life, does not earn eternal life. It is still God's gracious gift. So that will bring us up to 7 next week, but it is uh, spellbinding. It's, you know, enthralling to read the Bible. Um, I never thought, even though I've always respected the Bible, I never thought there would be a day where when I read it, I was stunned and enthralled. And it's very exciting. So I did find a little story, and this one's out of Angels on Earth. And it says it's a little Cinderella story. I couldn't dance, but I sure could sew. Okay, here's the story by Roberta Messner. Signs posted up and down the school hallway did not let me forget. Snowball dance next Friday night. No one would be asking me the senior high outcast. My face was figured my body was off. I had seizures without warning. A brain tumor was making my freshman year miserable. But doctors wanted to monitor the tumor before operating. Kids didn't know what was wrong with me. They just thought I was weird. I kept my head down as I hurried to my locker, thinking of my mother's prayer for the night before. Why don't we ask God to send someone to help you, Mom said. He can do that, you know. Looking around the halls now, I couldn't see anyone who had fit that bill. I needed an angel, I thought. An angel would know where that there was more to me than my tumor. I stepped into the home rec room where my teacher, Miss Barrett, waited. She looked amazing, as usual. Today, she wore a tan ultra-suede suit and a ruffled apricot chiffon blouse. Too bad our class assignment was a boring A-line skirt. My grandmother had been teaching me to sew for years, and I was long past easy A-lines. Not that any of the other kids in the class knew it, not that they would have cared if they did. While everyone got down to work, Mrs. Barrett called me up to her desk. A lot of girls need help in alterations on their formals for the snowball dance, she said. I thought you could help me after school. Sure, I said. What else did I have to do? Mom agreed to pick me up an hour later each day until Miss Barrett and I got the job done. We hemmed, trained, sewed buttons, adjusted seams. We shortened some sleeves, lengthened others. We completely retailored one pink satin gown with a seed pro bodice, redesigning the neckline and raising the darts, adjusting the armholes. The day before the dance, I was in the home room, home ec room, feeling a bit like Cinderella. Teresa, one of the most popular girls, came by to pick up her sheath gown. Roberta hemmed it by hand, Miss Barrett told her. Teresa looked at me as if she was seeing me for the first time. It's groovy, she said. Thanks. But you must have added this gorgeous belt. I tied ribbons to the end of a pearl necklace, I said, looking down at my penny loafer. You should have something elegant in case you get elected snowball queen. Teresa squeezed her hands together. That would be dreamy. I didn't see Teresa get, get crowned at the dance, but she and her snowball queen dress were the talk of the school the following week. Word quickly spread that I was actually good at something. Soon the girls were coming to me in the spirit for custom-made dresses. We should organize a fashion show, Mrs. Barrett said one day. A fashion show? That would be groovy. But we would any of the girls want to be in it? We'll never know if we don't try. 
And Mrs. Barrett said, we asked the girls at home ec, and they all wanted to participate. So we had all packed auditorium for the show. Mom sat at the front row. I worked furiously backstage getting everything ready. Mrs. Barrett stood at the stage with a fabulous Siobhan frock and read off the fashion descriptions I'd written. Our first model sports a modern mini dress with pointed collar, a big dark sunglasses, headscarf tied in the back, and patent leather boots like Nancy Sinatra completed the look. The crowd went wild. This is a gas for Roberta, one of the girls whispered to me in the wings as she waited her turn. Then she sauntered into the spotlight in a geometric print shift with a trumpet sleeve, a psychedelic print suit with a boxy jacket and oversized buttons that followed by a palazzo jumpsuit, colettes, capri slacks, a jumper dress, bell bottom. My gym teacher wore a, spor- a skirt and carried her tennis racket. The last outfit was one of the many formals I'd made for the snowball dance. This fashion show was better than any dance could be. I think we pushed the boundaries of fashion, Mrs. Barrett said. Those weren't the only boundaries we pushed. Come spring, Mrs. Barrett encouraged me to run for student body president. Kids have seen what you're capable of. When the winner was announced, she was proved right. I was elected president of the sophomore class. Mom, thank God for putting Miss Barrett in my life. In the Cinderella, I didn't need a fairy godmother. I had an angel in a tent. Such a sweet suit. Wow, that was a beautiful story. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the help and the love. It comes unexpectedly and comes from others. It's quite a, it's quite amazing, and I'm feeling very grateful this morning to be here with all of you and to be able to uh, take this show and you know have it for my kids when and my grandkids and my great grandkids. When they when they choose to listen, it's, it would be just wonderful, and um, just uh, I, it's it's been you know uh, a very uh, snowy cold winter back east, and we're having beautiful weather here and on the west coast. And but I wanted to to say again for back east, you know, we're praying for you to stay safe and warm. And I know they've actually uh, here at the airport. Uh, have canceled many, many, many fights, and um, I, I really want to pray for everybody's safety and that you get stay warm and and be happy and uh, and you know. Okay, so this is I, I want to read a little Bible passage that kind of goes along with everything we've been talking about, and it says, "But according to His promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth." in which righteousness dwells. And that's a very, uh, very beautiful. And um, let's see. I'm going to read you one of my little stories. We just have time just for one more little story. So I'm trying to find you one real quick. And let me see. Okay. It's called Worth, and that's what my my uh, book coming out, Worth and Worship. And so I'm going to read you just this beginning little version because I haven't read this before. It says, Worth. Finally, family, rejoice. Be made complete and be comforted. Be like-minded. Live in peace. And the love of God and peace shall be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship and the Holy Spirit will be with you. And that's for Second Corinthians. We cannot accurately judge our own actual worth. 
especially our worth in, in Heavenly Father's eyes. To God, the largest, purest lump of gold is just another pretty rock. We are his wealth. He sent his son, God Jr., to redeem us. He would do anything for us, and he did. The world cannot be our judge or even attempt to estimate our true value, and even, even our own. God's vision and standard is quite different from the general human consensus It's based on outer appearances or what's in your wallet. We can trust in God's love and we can boast our value to God because he is our just. He made us. He, he loves us. We can boast our value to God because eternity has been created just for us. And this we can celebrate. In his love, we can rest and be confident. And the readings I have this, but Christ is faithful as a son over his house, who we are. If we hold fast to our confidence and boast of our hope, firm until the end. Let us therefore draw near the confidence of the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy, 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 and find grace in time of need. And it's from Hebrews. So I want to thank you so much for listening this morning, and God bless you for everything. And let's... Let's close with our traditional prayer after moment of silence of those who are still suffering. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms so that you may have strength to face whatever's ahead. Just remember, you're never alone. God loves you, and may your best dream comes true, and true love lives in your heart. Remember, you also can message me with any of your concerns and friends' requests, and I wish you best in every way. God bless you by my friends, and happy trails to you. Amen. Love you. <laughs>